What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Monday, August 22nd, 2022. And today we're looking at the offensive side of the ball from the Dolphins' preseason loss in Week 2 to the Las Vegas Raiders. Let's go ahead. I checked the tape. Let's talk about what we found. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Monday, August 22nd, 2022. Thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bets Online. They have you covered this season with more odds, lines, props than ever before. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And today on the show, it's, we're going to have a two-parter this week. Uh, we're obviously into the nitty-gritty of the preseason roster evaluation. We have a handful of cuts coming up, and we've got joint practices with the Eagles this week. But I thought it was important for me to watch the tape, take my time, and be honest about how many thoughts and opinions I had. And because of that, uh, we're doing today's the offensive side of the ball, tomorrow's the defensive side of the ball, with the actual coaches' film. Uh, reactions to the tape. And I want to talk about plays. I want to talk about players. Because I think there are individual performances that are very significant that we need to acknowledge, just like I think there are individual plays that could have absolutely changed the narrative of this game for the Miami Dolphins, including the first play offensively from scrimmage from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we got to the end of the preseason game. I only had the box score up because, to be quite frank with you, the box score I could care less about. I could care less relative to the individual player performances. But I know one of the points of concern, conspiracy theory, um, frustration right now, uh, is the Dolphins through two preseason games and the lack of ability to run the ball. And yes. I certainly expected the Dolphins to physically manifest more room to run the football than what they were able to based on the talent and the personnel depth chart that each side had as far as playing on the line of scrimmage. But here's what I'll say. Uh, if you had a 75-yard touchdown run on the first play from scrimmage, would your perception about Miami's run-the-ball ability be different? because you were probably a block from an adjustment, not a block, an adjustment from Larnell Coleman away from having that. Dolphins' first play from scrimmage offensively is a short toss to Chase Edmonds with an opportunity to wind back the short toss. Effectively works as inside or wide zone. Um, but you saw them run this in San Francisco where the read would have you peel back inside between the tackles and cut back against the green. When Chase Edmonds is impacted by the second-level defender who, by design, jumps down as edge pressure, which Jason Taylor did an excellent job of talking about how persistent Tampa Bay was with that. When that second-level defender jumps down and is suddenly 
in the run fit off the edge and unblocked with a, a, a short toss. And Chase Edmonds is contacted by that player. You can see every other block between the offensive line that's stepping left with the short toss to create wash, the skill players, the split flow motion, everything that hits on the backside. You could drive a Mack truck in reverse through the size of the hole that Chase Edmonds would have had at his disposal if Larnell Coleman, who's starting in place of Tron Armstead, of course, had seen that that defensive end is going to step down and crash down and that second-level defender is going to immediately step up and we are going to, instead of be facing a stack, we are facing a two-for-two. So if he steps one step down with the, the defensive end who crashes down inside and his eyes are up and he sees that second level defender manifest himself and he can redirect and get out there and get effectively anything on that body. The only unblocked defender in the front for the Raiders was the free safety at 25 yards of depth. Chase Edmonds has a 20 plus yard run for sure and maybe a touchdown. It was blocked that well from everybody else. So that play for me really pops, just like there was a play on, uh, I believe it was near the end of the first half. It was the possession where the Dolphins uh, fumbled, Miles Gaskin fumbled. Uh, the play before that was a run. And uh, they're on the 16-yard line. And it's the same situation where the backside of the run has Robert Jones and Larnell Coleman. And they are facing a stacked down lineman and a linebacker. And the, uh, the play is to the right. So they're on the backside. It's the left side of the offensive line. And as this play unfolds, that stack linebacker explodes out of there to the point where, you know, he, he's never going to, if the down lineman is lined up over top of Robert Jones, and Larnell Coleman's job responsibility is to climb to that backer, and that linebacker flies out of there like a bat out of hell. If you are trying to close to the second level and he's flowing away, you'll never get there, right? So Larnell Coleman steps right. The linebacker's out. He gets attached onto the defensive lineman. Robert Jones effectively steps up and through that defensive lineman, rips across his face. You have an opportunity to scoop block where Larno Coleman can, can then kind of get attached and try and work his way around the down lineman. And Robert Jones rips up through like he's coming to the second level, in which case he would have been in the perfect position to pick off that linebacker flying out of the way for Larno Coleman to have any hopes and dreams of touching him. And instead, Robert Jones doubles back and reattaches back onto the down lineman that Larnell Coleman's also scooping. And that linebacker flies through 
and gets in on the tackle on the running back, where if the running back was impeded, and you could also maybe question uh, upfield penetration that was given up by Keon Smith that forced Miles Gaskin to uh, bounce that ball up into the inside line of scrimmage, but it's a, a wide zone play to the right. But Miles Gaskin has two for two outside of the edge, and, and Keon Smith has actually turned his defender out. Where if you pick up that backside linebacker that's flying through there, Miles Gaskin actually has a reasonable chance in my mind to work through that traffic, get the edge, and potentially score because you're two for two blockers on the outside. It could have been a 16-yard explosive run for a score. So, yeah, I, I think you look at the box score and you see, man, like some missed opportunities. But, or, or underwhelming performance. But I watched the film and I said, man, some, some missed opportunities with guys that are trying to make this roster, right? And all it takes is one block in your front. And suddenly what could be an explosive score is a two-yard run. And I saw a couple of those on the film offensively for Miami where like the meat and potatoes, the infrastructure, the style to attack, the reason behind what you're doing to run the ball, it's there. It's there. And if the guys get on the same page or if Teron Armstead is playing instead of Larnell Coleman or if Liam Eikenberg or Solomon Kinley or who, who played another great game. We'll talk about players here in a minute, but I just conceptually wanted to get to um, the running game in general first and acknowledge conceptually the improvements are visible. Okay. Conceptually what they are doing is not, oh, well, now they haven't hit any of their exotics, right? And I think that Jason Taylor made that point on the, the broadcast as well. They're not going to break out any of the big gun runs and concepts here in the preseason. They'll, they'll save that for New England. And I'm excited for what those are able to facilitate. But I also am evaluating what they are doing, and there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good angles. There's a lot of good movement. There's a lot of good sustained fits. But when you're working with uh, some players who aren't in the upper echelons of your roster, when you're not working with Teron Armstead, and you're replacing him with a seventh-round pick from last year from UMass, who was probably two years away and has played respectably well, it's not going to be the same. And that's where I find the most hope and enthusiasm for what the Dolphins running game can look like when everybody's in there. And then if you want to get into the whole question, well, what happens if, if Toronto Armstead gets hurt? Well, yeah, you're going to have a problem if Toronto Armstead gets hurt regardless. I was encouraged by a lot of the visuals. We'll talk more about individual player performances here in just a minute, but not before I tell you about our friends over at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online resource for odds, lines, and games. Just find reviews, 
and news for every league as well, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, uh, Mike McDaniel, I believe it was yesterday, on Sunday, he had a really, really good quote. It was talking about when Eric Spolstra came to practice. And I wanted to, to read just a bit of this off the transcript uh, because we talked a lot about the running game right now, and I think the running game has a lot of good things, good individual things and, and big picture things happening for it while understanding that individual player performances can compromise what would otherwise be you know, very dynamic plays. And he was asked about what he spoke with Eric Spolstra about. And when Eric Spolstra, the Miami Heat basketball coach, came to practice last week, they say he was pretty interested in yards after catch. Quiet down, Siri. You didn't hear, but I did. Uh, he was pretty interested in yards after catch, which was a cool conversation because a lot of the terms that we use for yards after catch, I kind of use basketball terms to kind of illustrate that. Okay, you have our attention. Now, he was asked the follow-up question. So when you're talking basketball, spacing and ball movement and screen and picks, I'm not the biggest basketball. This is the media individual asking, and, and I wish I knew who it was so I could credit them for it. But uh, was asked uh, spacing and basket and ball movement screens and picks. Um, is that what you're communicating? And, and McDaniel said, you're dead, right? Uh, I floated it out because I don't pretend to be an expert on basketball, but in my experience in just generation, and this is where it gets interesting. We've watched three point percentages completely change the range from where good shots are taken from fast break three pointers and how the shooting range of players expands the defense. They have to guard more floor space. Just theoretically and kind of the way we look at football, specifically on offense, is we are trying to make a defense defend maximum amounts of space. We do that with our principles of outside zone, but also speed. It's one of the reasons you like speed is because how the defense has to uh, defend more ground. So it's kind of similar philosophy to creating space you do in a basketball with shooters. Then you have to draw offenders out, giving more space underneath. You do it in football by playing fast and having speed so that when the timing of the play, defenders have to defend much more area. Really cool analogy. Uh, and I think you saw that spacing, not just with um, the wide zone, but I think you saw the spacing with how Miami's route distributions were spread across the field. Uh, I was consistently very impressed by just how much, even from condensed formations, Miami's routes were uh, testing zones, uh, testing zone defenders ability to split the difference between the two. And I certainly think that's how you end up with a lot of, uh, the conceptual run after catch opportunities that you see traditionally, uh, in this offense, but let's go ahead and, and talk about individual player performance for, um, for the dolphins. Tua Tungvalu, six of eight passing, I think 50, 58 yards. Uh, I thought he was uh, pretty clean 
Uh, I certainly like the deliberative, deliberate approach to work through progressions and uh, intentional, be intentional with, with where your eyes and more specifically your feet are, uh, because that was something that broke down throughout stretches of the course of last year was those throwing mechanics. And uh, you saw him make quick decisions with the ball. There was, I think, the first third down conversion to Chase Edmonds, if I was going to get a little nitpicky, I would say that might have been an opportunity for him to work to the backside of the field. He stayed on the front side of the field and then got off his spot and then got outside the pocket, used his mobility, and then he found Chase Edmonds on an extended play. Uh, that was the one play where I watched it and said, okay, like, could we have gotten back to the backside of the set where Gasecki runs kind of a, a, a China route where you 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 kind of run like a an out and then you return and you you trace it back inside and you fade away from man coverage because if we're on time and we take our drop and we get to the top of our drop we don't see we see that that's not there and then our eyes come back to the left side of the field Gasecki tracing away from that defender could have been an opportunity to throw quote unquote on schedule very nitpicky. I thought the ball placement was fine. Um, obviously, six of eight. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there were uh, missed opportunities or he checked down too often or all that stuff. And like the throw to Chase Edmonds for the first down in the flat. You got to understand it's third and two. You're going to call a play designed to convert on third and two. If you got a linebacker, on a running back, running to the flat without leverage, that's the first read. So that's where you throw the ball. Because I know that was a bit of feedback that I saw from Dolphins fans. was, oh, well, he had Trent Sherfield over the middle of the field. The first read's the flat. The first read is the flat. And you get a linebacker pushing out the cover him in space. It's the throw you make. It's what's coached, it's what's designed, it's executing within the means and the structure of the offense. Was he perfect? No. Did he blow you away? No. But I thought he was sufficient. I thought he was effective. I thought he did and executed at a, a pretty consistent level. And you saw some opportunities for, for him to set up run after catch. Even the Trent Sherfield, the stop, the stop seven that he completed on the play-action pass when he came back on the second position, and he put that thing right on Sherfield. And Sherfield was getting ready to set up a, a, an attempt to run after the catch, and he slipped. Um, and you could tell because he, he, gave, he gave the clap when he, when he got up because he knew he had a chance uh, to make something happen. Two was fine. I think they, they, they didn't show you anything to be concerned about. Teddy Bridgewater, on the other hand, uh, is not doing himself any favors with trying to quiet down the Skylar Thompson tidal wave that seems to be washing over Dolphins fans everywhere because uh, Teddy had a couple of really nice throws. The throw to River Craycraft was a really nice throw. The throw to uh, Braylon Sanders was a really nice throw. The, the fade route to set him up before half and, and in the two-minute offense. But he had a couple of really... Ugly looking reps, including the safety. You could tell Teddy Bridgewater is not comfortable moving out, moving around and rolling the pocket. And uh, he made some poor decisions and some poor throws in those instances, including taking the safety, in which case there was 
nobody short. You had a, a deep post was the only thing breaking to that half of the field. Gusecki whiffed on his route, on his block. You got to get there and you got to understand this play is dead. It's dead. By the time I come out of the ball fake and my eyes come upfield, the play's dead. Just throw it away. You're on a rollout. You're outside the pocket. So to hold it for an extra five steps and then try and underhand, poor decision. Then early in the second half, uh, he had a crosser to Eric Ezukam on a rollout as well. And he missed him uh, pretty badly. You know, there, there was one to Ezukama that was kind of a, an in or a basic, uh, like a dig route. And it was on third down, and you thought, you know, maybe it was just a bad throw. But Teddy actually had his hand hit by a defender at the release point on that one. So the ball uh, was not where it was intended to be. So... Give him a break for that one, which in real time in the broadcast looked like another ugly miss. It was a good play by the defender. But Teddy had probably four or five plays that you look at, and it's like, man, like you're a veteran backup quarterback with over 60 career starts in the NFL. You'd certainly expect better results than those individual plays. Now, he also had a couple of the, the third down conversion to – River Craycraft on an outbreaking pattern with some trash down at his feet might have been the best throw of the day for Teddy. Uh, Skyler had some dimes, obviously the corner route, the Ezukama and the seam route. The Ezukama, they, they ran the corner against cover two, uh, and he hit it in the honey hole. And then the seam, they hit against cover three, and he ripped it right up the seam. Uh, over top of the linebacker, between the deep third defenders playing the far field and the high post is a beautiful throw, beautiful throw. Skylar, those two throws from Skylar were the best two throws of the game. Even better than the touchdown pass, the, the loft and the touch to uh, Zaquandre White. That's the quarterback room. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more down the line this week about the questions of you know where, where this quarterback room stacks, but we're keeping three quarterbacks at this point. Uh, Skyler, Skyler's got it cooking, and I, I wouldn't cut him. So that would be, you know, I was kind of on the fence last week just because of small sample size and whatnot. Uh, but he looked good in camp. Now he's looking into preseason games. Young player, a lot of upside. I'm hanging on to that cat. I'm not risking it at this point. I'm certainly advocating keeping three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster when it's all said and done. Uh, Chase Edmonds looked pretty dynamic. I thought he he had a couple really nice showcases early in the game. But the rest of the backs, um, Sony Michelle, a couple opportunities to convert short yardage. Um, and that's just unfortunately, unless you're going to run like right downhill inside zone, it's not really good strength. And the, the one, the third down run on the opening possession for the Dolphins, um, before the false start from Larnell Coleman on fourth down, pushed him back and made him kick the field goal, um, was a play in which Larnell, they ran to the left, and it was downhill, and I thought it was a really good chance to convert the run, but Durham tried to cut, but he cut, and the defender splayed his cut so that Durham's like 
lower half was in the hole. Larnell stepped down, didn't really get much wash. Mike Gusecki washed with it, came all the way down, and he was going up to, to pick off the wheelbacker, and you had Rob Hunt coming on a wrap. But so you got Durham in the hole. Larnell really doesn't get any movement and push. Mike's out of there to go pick up a linebacker on the second level. Robert Hunt wraps around, and there's two defenders sitting there. And Robert gets a good pop on the first one, but it's, it's too congested. But at the end of the day, like, would love Sony Michelle to be able to eat. He got his feet through the hole, but he had to kind of like high step it like he's the cartoon cat trying not to wake up the dog was how he had to get through the hole. And it takes away all your power. Uh, so I think there was plenty of blame on that specific play to go around. Uh, but the second down run on second and one was more of an outside concept. That's just I think if Chase Edmonds takes that play, he probably hits it for a first down. And to be frank, that's the, the you wouldn't I would not run that concept in a real game with Sony Michelle. Sony does have a leg up for um competitiveness with the roster, however. Uh I, I do think his pass protection dynamics uh will outweigh the other contenders. Obviously, Chase Edmonds pass catching back, Raheem Mostert. Uh, a little bit more of an outside speed player. Um, but if so, if we're talking about Sony Michelle not making the roster, I would just say, remember, his salary is like half of Miles Gaskins. Gaskins similarly does not. He's, he's quicker than Sony, but he's smaller than Sony. He also can convert on short yardage situations with consistency unless he's given a hole. Um, Sony at least has the body where if he builds momentum, he can push the pile. And Miles fumbled uh, on the out route and catch, took three steps, turned his eyes back around and fumbled the football in a two-minute offense situation down in the red zone. You can't have it. You can't have it, especially as a fourth-year player in the midst of a running back battle trying to make the roster. It was a bad play for him. It was a bad moment for him, I should say. Uh, but I think Sony is, is also better in, in pass protection and passing downs and as a bigger body for the short yardage stuff. So I still think that that deck is kind of loaded against Miles at this point in time. Before we go any further, pretty important message that I would really ask you guys to give me just a, a moment to, to hear. Okay. Hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think about calling for a ride, but now nah, you live nearby. You can make a home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even if so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on all roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. As we... Continue here. Um, I planned on a 30-minute show. <laughs> and I'm through the offensive backfield. So we'll, we'll try to give some rapid-fire takes from here. Uh, one thing I can't rush is the complicated case of Dolphins tight end Mike Gusecki. 
played into the second half. It was one of those things where uh, Mike himself said, I need all the work that I can get, has a good attitude about it. I did think that um, Mike McDaniel postgame had a pretty interesting and, and frank uh, discussion. When asked, he said uh, he was in a position to have a pretty good game. You can ask him. He was frustrated because he had, had a couple of options. We rely on him. We went to him. He had a couple pretty good ops that he wasn't able to come up with the play. So he needs to continue doing what he's doing, which is completely committing in the run and pass game to the offense. He's a couple of ways on the ball away from having a really good game that he feels really good about. He knows that. I know that. That's one of the reasons he stayed in the game because he was frustrated as a competitor. He knew he could make the plays that he didn't. It's nothing out of the ordinary, nothing far uh, from exactly what he's been doing. He just needs to continue to be diligent, not get frustrated when the ball doesn't bounce his way. As long as he approaches it like the player that he is, where he's very accountable, we'll be fine. He'll be fine. We'll all be better for him. Okay. Um, Mike, on the franchise tag, playing into the third quarter of preseason game number two, in which you uh, saw him miss several opportunities, as mentioned, uh, the inside breaking pattern uh, that hit him right between the eight and the eight on his chest, and he didn't get his head round quick enough. Um, the ball from Teddy Bridgewater, where he was targeted over the middle, turned, got upfield, took one step, and the defender impacted him and knocked the ball loose. Uh, some of the split flow stuff, uh, he had a one or two yard reception on a split flow uh, play action where he was very, he bubbled underneath the defensive end to get out into the flat. But because he bubbled under it, he conceded all this extra room, and Mike is is more of a straight-line guy as far as being dynamic as an athlete, right? So when he comes underneath of that, all that does is give more ground for the defenders, the rest of the defenders, to rally and come up and make the tackle, where if he had carried momentum as he split across and came over the end, I think he could have set himself up to have a much more healthy gain than what he did um nitpicky sure but it's like it's it's little stuff like that and how you're able to filter when an unblocked defensive end is there in space like how do you negotiate that and just the 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 path that he took i think did him a disservice to be able to maximize yards after the catch uh there is a whole debate that we're gonna have to have around how to get michael in the field in this offense and you know whether he's a mismatch player who just needs to be out there in certain looks, but then like, okay, then you got to understand Mike's probably going to play 15 to 20 snaps a game. You're paying him $11 million. You'd really like to try to get some more bite for the, that financial commitment, but I don't know that that's ever going to happen. And I'll say this, Hunter Long had himself a nice game. Hunter Long had himself a nice game. He had a, a couple crossing routes. One was like a delayed leak on the backside of a, another mm -hmm. short yardage pass play action concept to try and convert where you're looking in the flat and it was dead. Um, and if he kind of had like this, the opposite flow with a crosser block, 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 delayed release, get out, uh, come out the backside. 
And there was pressure that, that forced uh, Teddy to not get into that. But had he got there, might have been a big play for Hunter Long. There was also a play from Skyler. He targeted Preston Williams out on the perimeter. Uh, it was a rollout to his left. It was kind of that same three-level stretch concept that we keep talking about. Hunter was there in the middle of the field and also would have been a very feasible target in that as well. And, and the exact same concept, outside release with a clouded corner and an out route that Miles Gaskin caught and then fumbled down in the red zone. Hunter Long ran the out route against a clouded corner, caught the ball, broke a tackle, and converted for the first down. And if you watch Hunter Long as a blocker, you go back and watch the, the coach's tape, him getting attached and fit onto blocks is different than every other tight end on the roster. I'm back in on the Hunter Long train. I know we had some concerns coming out of training camp. I'm back in. I certainly think that, that that player has a different look and feel playing the inline tight end position than the rest of the guys on the roster. That includes Ethan Carter, and that includes Durmstrang. Back in. Uh, offensive line-wise, um, Solomon Kinley's playing his ass off. Excuse my French, but uh, he's, he's playing really hard. And you see, again, just like last week, you kind of see the movement restrictions that exist. Uh, kind of the inability uh, to to really string out the point of attack and string out blocks. But in pass pro, he was really good. It's only one time I thought really in the whole game, and it was when the the half slide went the other the center goes the other way. Okay, so you're on a little bit more of an island two way space where you struggle to uh, sustain that block and and didn't give up a a sack or anything like that, but just because the tackle takes a vertical set, you got a lot of real estate, defender eventually works his way up and kind of turns a corner around. You can't stay sticky. Pass pro, he's looking really good. Uh, Dieter played pretty well. Uh, I thought, I just think his feet look a little heavy right now. I think that leads to him kind of leaning more in the blocks as compared to staying fit on it. Um, for the starting line, uh, it was good to see Connor Williams out there. I thought he played pretty well as well. Obviously, we'll we'll continue to have the FBI trace every snap that he takes and uh, see what how many degrees of deviation it is off the midline of the quarterback and and the numbers every single snap. But um, I thought Liam played better. I thought Liam played more under control this week than he did last week against Tampa Bay. Uh, Austin was okay. I thought he overset once on a, on a pass set. You see the athleticism. You see the opportunity. You, you see the the jolt in the run game when we're stepping down and we're creating wash, like a lot of that good stuff is there. Now, again, the, the consistency, not so much, but I, I thought he played okay. Robert Jones is, is a player that um, I'm starting to cool on a little bit to the point where I think Solomon Kinley is going to make this interesting. If, and Robert Jones does have more positional versatility versus Solomon. That's something he's always going to have in his back pocket. But I think if you look at the two preseason games and the execution, the building pass pro, and this is now two consecutive preseason games, Solomon Kinley, in my mind, has comfortably outplayed Robert Jones. And I'll give a shout-out to Adam Pankey as well. He can play a lot of different spots for you up front. And I thought he was a player that played with a lot of control and when he came and helped a couple of times at pass pro, he almost knocked dudes over. 
coming in here, creating a mess and creating really big throwing windows for your quarterback. So um, I didn't really dive too much into wide receivers. Obviously, we were hoping to see Tyreek Hill did not play. Eric Ezukama, tip of the cap, stud. Wish NFL and ESPN, NFL Network and ESPN would give that guy his due. I know we're talking about Isaiah likely having eight catches for 100 yards in the first quarter or first half uh, for the Baltimore Ravens this weekend. Uh, easy E, man. He's looking like the real deal. And he's his solidification as a player uh, has me looking at wide receiver six now uh, because I think Trent Sherfield's uh, pretty good to go as well. And it's making me very curious whether or not Mohamed Sanu is going to survive cuts in favor of Lynn Bowden, who continues to get look on special teams. A couple of really interesting roster storylines to get into. But that's kind of everything that I saw from a big picture, from a, a run game scheme, contextualizing the rushing yards, um, individual play. Offensive coaches tape review is done tomorrow. We're going to do the defensive side of the football. So if you'll plan accordingly and join us for that, Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. We don't just say it. We live it here on the Locked On Network. Make it a great Monday. We'll talk with you all again tomorrow.